Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Like they were talking about, like, you know, they've clearly enhanced her voice through computers in some form when she has the quote-unquote voice of God. And then David's like, yeah, but if you were being threatened to be burned at the stake, I could probably belt out a, Jesus says that you all suck! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I for some reason didn't say this while I was watching it, but I was like, did she just put on the Billy Madison gibberish voice? <laughs> Where he's like, he's like, Billy, I said no gibberish at the table. <laughs> Oh my god, someone needs to do that. Someone needs to either take the Benedetta stuff and put it in Billy Madison or put the Billy Madison gibberish into Benedetta. That is incredible. I'm gonna do both. Sorry, <laughs> Kevin, I just can't get Billy Madison at the dinner table just going like, blasphema! Like, out of my head. Damn it, Billy, I said no pig Latin at the table. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like Benedetta more if it gave me more Billy Madison vibes. <laughs> she, at one point, Benedetta she just spraying a kid in the face with a water hose. What are you doing? Stop it! I, I mean, it'd be a guaranteed you. like for me because it, they'd be saying my name a bunch. Uh, Doyle rules. <laughs> <laughs> when she has those visions of Jesus and she runs towards him but it's the giant penguin from Billy Madison and she's like I'm coming lord penguin's just running away oh I I see what's going on here (laughs) so sorry to interrupt (laughs) proceed (laughs) he called the shit poo (laughs) what if we just end up unintentionally making this into a Billy Madison podcast instead of our Christmas I would be so happy. I actually do really want to talk about this movie, <laughs> guys. Like, <laughs> I want to talk about Billy Madison. <laughs> oh my god! So hey, hey, have you noticed that Billy isn't around here anymore? Yeah, I think he's going to like school. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Turn Who this. Thirty bagged lunches, and it just cuts to Norm McDonald's and the bus driver. Just. I'll turn this bus around and put it into your. Fancy school trip. <laughs> My math tutor used to quote the that's correct bit a bunch to me. Uh, when, when we'd be doing like math questions, we'd be like, that's correct. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this I, I, is... I haven't seen I, that Hold so on. One more and I swear to God I'll let it go. Uh, <laughs> fucking Steve Buscemi in that movie. is That's his second best performance right there. <laughs> Thank God the I lipstick. called that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a hunting rifle. Thank you. Just a little wave he gives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Um, oh, God. I don't give a shit. This is the intro of it. I don't care. <laughs> we talked about Benedetta. We were current, and we switched it around and talked about Billy Madison, yeah. a true classic of our time. Okay. Now, how do we tie it back to Abel Ferreira? Uh, <laughs> I truly laughed so hard I thought I was about to pass out. That was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen that in so many years. I I, I should watch that again. Um, I uh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen, seen Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Like I, should, I, don't I should see that to one too. Oh, Happy Gilmore is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
at the end when fucking Abraham Lincoln, the gator, and Chubbs are in the cloud. (laughs) I think my favorite part is when he accidentally kills Chubbs by giving him the gator's head and he jumps out the window and it's just this one extra that just looks up and just goes, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Then it just cuts to his funeral and he's like, yeah, everyone around me seems to be dying. I'd run if I were you. There's also the Happy Gilmore reference in uh, Jesus Walks by Kanye West. It's like the UE pieces of shit. Pieces of shit for breakfast, yeah. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) No. The price is wrong, No, 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 no. Those are the rules. I had to hit it off of Frankenstein's fat foot. (laughs) You can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot after the game. Okay, okay. Um, How about an actual question, even though this is going in? Since this movie is about uh, what happens because they're trying to get a uh, toy for their kid, let's talk about, because we're all adults, there, there's no waiting for Christmas, really. What is the your biggest Christmas present that you've gotten, more, more than likely as a kid? When you say biggest, do you mean like in, in like phys- physically or like... No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like the just like the one that you were waiting on it was the best i should should have said the best but yeah i feel like mine is the least unique or special uh just my nintendo wii like all my friends had one and oh, i really yeah. wanted one and when i got one my dad hit it he's like oh man we opened all the presents there's nothing left and i'm like dad you forgot something and then he's just like oh wait i think we did too and then um that, that, see, was, that, that was probably the happiest I've ever been. The, <laughs> see, that happened with me, but it was the PS2. We opened nice. up all the presents, and then the PS2 came out, and they were just like, and we rented all these games. Go. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, well, that was the PS2, so 2001, 2002, so I was yeah. probably about mm-hmm. 9 or 10. Uh, so wait, 2001, did they also give you a DVD copy of our Xmas? No, it was uh, it was probably uh, we went to rent like I don't know Mission Impossible Two. Is this like our Xmas or is it our Christmas? Because like, Xmas is the I don't. I think uh, Ferrara when he's talked about it in interviews, he said our Christmas. I don't know. I like saying our Xmas though, just because like I don't, I don't know for some reason it just okay. Works. But maybe I'm I'll be ignorant. What the hell does the R stand for? Remixed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Is it like our Christmas, like O U R, but it's, but it's shortened in a way that nobody has ever done before, or what? I think it's just like this is screaming out. It's an Abel Ferrara film, not for children. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it rated R Christmas? The rating is yeah. in the title. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, both of you, though. I got a GameCube, 2001. That was big. I got an mm-hmm. N64 when i was a kid mm-hmm. i remember i also got a super nintendo and then the power went out and i don't think i got to play it that day but nice. oh, of course I see my gamecube story was different that my cousin gifted me the gamecube when he got a wii actually and oh, and so then hell yeah. yeah so it's like that that ruled but like thinking santa gave me the the wii at the time that was just like oh my god <laughs> brighton what about you i'm struggling to think uh i feel and it's it's funny, probably the ones, I, I can't tell if, like, the ones that I'm, that are coming to mind are ones that, like, were given to me or my brother or, like, both of us that we just, like, happened to use. Cause well, it, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, like, yeah. I know, like, I don't remember which of us got Guitar Hero, but I feel like that was, like, a pretty 
big game for like both of us like that introduced like a lot of stuff stuff to us uh, musically and that was like a game that we were playing like for like hours on end like yeah, yeah. like every weekend and then like we like that expanded to like rock band and everything that was like i feel like that was like a pretty big one and we had that on the wii too um the mm-hmm. like the wii also not the not 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 i'm not making up there's not a... the wii u no. <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody had anything for the wii u but uh it's also funny I rem- that... I... sorry i remember getting the guitar hero world tour like the drums and all of that for christmas as well and then i tried to play the drums and i was like i nope I should have just got it with the guitar, because all this other shit is not for me. There was one year I got a Mario DDR game for the GameCube. Then I Holy shit. Over. Yeah, you had to outdance Bowser or some shit. I don't remember. <laughs> I think my parents were like, we'll gladly give this to you. You are getting no exercise at all. So <laughs> It's funny to think about how we all named video games, or like a lot of like video game-related stuff. Like, I mean... Personal, yeah, I'll speak yeah. for myself. I'm not much of a gamer nowadays. Yeah, like we have like neither. a few systems still like lingering in our household, but like it's not really like the pastime I go back I, to. I am, but it's not a constant. It's always like I just recently got. It was me and my girlfriend's like Christmas present for both of us was the Xbox Series S, and for like a month straight, that's like all I wanted to do. And then now I haven't touched it in like a month. But it's just like I go through phases. But like movies are the constant, and then like. I'll just want to play video games for like a month and not want to watch anything. Same thing with books, stuff like that. It's just, it goes through waves and whatnot, but... I'm kind of... Well, I was the same way where I had all my old systems like Super Nintendo and 64 and GameCube that I would just constantly rotate those and i was like i don't really need anything i just get so much nostalgic joy out of playing this stuff but then mm-hmm. during the pandemic i got a switch light and just mm-hmm. got sucked in all over mm-hmm. again. especially breath of the wild which is an open world game where i'm like well this makes me feel like i'm sort of going outside like because it wasn't allowed to go anywhere so yeah you know just um i'm mostly now, of course i'm mostly using my playstation for like streaming um and and for dvds and blu-rays and i feel like if i were to get back into gaming it would just be i need a fresh reset new system new games like maybe trade and everything i have and then just like build up from square one and just like really be dedicated to it and have fun with it and not feel like i need to catch up with everybody and what's new so all but, of these are better than a party girl or whatever <laughs> doll that they are uh, fighting tooth and nail to get. Yeah. <laughs> None of these were a riff on uh, uh, Jingle All the Way. No, 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 no. I mean, if you uh, think about it, this is, I actually did see uh, someone I follow on Letterboxd t- uh, uh, put this in their diary and their review was, oh, it's Ferrari's Jingle All the Way. And mm. it kind of is. I think I saw I someone mean, sim- something similar. Who was that? That wrote it? Uh, Michael Clausen. He's a co-host of uh, Drink in the Movies podcast, mm. which is a good show. Okay, but imagine Sinbad in this movie and Ice-T and Jingle all the way. Imagine uh, Lilio Brancato. Lilio Brancato, yeah. Brancato and Jingle all the way and Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie, though. Mm. <laughs> that, those be, who directed Jingle just... all the way again? I said I don't have any more drugs or money. What do you want? I'm not a pervert. I just don't want a Turbo Man doll. I'm just, I also <laughs> couldn't help but think about like uh, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy, the episode of The Simpsons, where mm-hmm. they're like, it's mm-hmm. Malibu Stacy with a new hat. I'm just kind of like, that's how everyone's reacting to this fucking doll. <laughs> yeah, and Smithers is the most excited, yes. Yeah, I want it, I want it. Me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> it also has one of my favorite guest turns from Kathleen Turner, who plays the uh, person who made Malibu Stacy. Made Stacey. Malibu Stacy, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Come on, we have to do something. Not now, I'm 
too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Almost Major, a podcast where we talk about the many major studios and the films they released. We are still in our Artisan miniseries, and we continue today with our Xmas from 2001. My name is Kevin Tudor. With me again is Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And unfortunately, we still don't have Clay Williams this week, but we have uh, uh, exiting through the 2010s, Jack Draper. How are you? I was the I was the uh, the understudy. Uh, glad glad to be so. Uh, yeah, good to be with you guys again. This is yeah. A, all of our carrier pigeons just never made it to Clay. Yeah. We just they just <laughs> yeah never made <laughs> all the them way across <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> across the country they, it was it was extra f- to pay for across country um yeah we're, we're recording this live in new york actually uh to, to celebrate our Christmas. yeah in a car about to pay somebody 500 dollars <laughs> for a party girl doll hopefully everything goes right um hopefully there's no shenanigans that are going on with this drug dealer <laughs> with a heart of gold hopefully, hopefully iced tea doesn't show up and lecture me for 30 minutes but uh <laughs> Well, like I was saying, we were talking about our Xmas from 2001. This is, uh, why didn't I put down, God, I'm such an idiot. It was written and directed by Abel Ferrara, right? But it's also co-written by somebody else. Ferrara co-wrote it with somebody else, yeah. Uh, it is, let me check. It is Cassandra. co-written by... Are you talking about Cassandra De, he- De-, De-, De Jesus? That is, it is Scott Padro is, uh, hoping hmm. not, or Scott Pardo co-wrote the screenplay and yes as bryden just mentioned it was uh based on a story by cassandra de jesus yeah like ferrara is kind of cryptic when he's talking about it in interviews but there's like a few interviews i found where he talks about how i think this was based on like a story like of an actual like husband wife like drug dealing uh like couple and everything and like she was the one who like was given a lot of like the uh the intel on like the story like consulting almost with the story and that's why i think it's like a from based on her story uh credits mm-hmm. that she gets um, and and right. I should like go. With, it goes without saying, I guess. Like, but that's like Cassandra De, De Jesus is a, is an alias. It's uh, because like you know, don't want to give mm-hmm. your name when you're in that activity. I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so this premiered at Con in two thousand one, the Chicago International Film Festival, October fifth, two thousand one. It was eventually released in limited release in the U.S. November eighth, two thousand two like limited limited like it went to one theater mm-hmm. um and i think it quickly just went to a dvd release after that yeah it also was oh sorry please go ahead uh, I'm, uh, i mean you might be saying what i'm gonna say but go ahead oh it, it was uh ferrara's follow-up to news row new rose hotel which has uh, garnered a bit of a resurgence and a cult following but that was like destroyed by audiences and critics back in the day mm-hmm. i think it has like a 19 percent on rotten tomatoes and it's a good film it is, i like it a lot yeah. uh yeah it's a very esoteric so i think that like after that it was kind of tough to to get financing uh, yeah and yeah, since and since like because... the financing troubles have have been ever present throughout uh ferrera's career since since this um even so much as going out of the country to yeah in and italy i believe also Yes, and and uh, this is easily one of the most restrained and uh, straightforward Ferrara films I've seen. A lot of, and I consider myself a pretty big fan. I've seen like I want to say nine of his movies, uh, mm-hmm. but I think I'm on par with I you. Guess, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I was surprised by how just uh, 
minimalist. I mean, it's a Ferrara film and it's still got all of his flourishes and stuff like that, but especially compared to New Rose Hotel where the last half hour of that thing is pretty incomprehensible, even if it rules. Like, this is all, it, it you know, you can follow it pretty easily. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an interview that the interview I was going to talk about. Um, it's an interview with Cinema Gotham in 2002, and this is so long ago that Ferrara is still living in New York because he's now since moved to Italy where he, because like he, that he says, I think, that's where like it's easier to get funding for his movies but he talks about how it plays the can and it seems like things are going pretty well and it's um studio canal that's going to be releasing the company uh the french production company they put out like a full page ad it says but then he says uh from that moment on that company had gone into total uh turmoil studio canal's parent company vivendi universal came close to bankruptcy there's no company there's nobody there you can't get anybody on the phone they're being sold there's nothing to say except as long as we finish the film i'm satisfied if it happens great uh and yeah, but then he says like it goes to DVD and like Kevin said, it only plays in a couple of theaters. And with the artisan of it all, I believe that that's, that's where the DVD release comes in because there's a trailer for RXMS that you can look up online where it says artisan home entertainment that's releasing mm-hmm. the movie uh, versus, and whereas if you watch the movie on um, iTunes, it does have the, just the Studio Canal logo that comes up. I can't, re- right. I can't remember, has artisan home entertainment come up on the pod at all yet? No, because for artisan, we're only doing theatrical released ones. But I mean, this one did go to theaters, but one there's, the- there's theater singular, you mean one? Yeah, <laughs> one singular theater where it made eight hundred and fifty dollars. I, I don't I've, even think Ebert got to review it. And he no, I checked. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't find Rogers review. I mean, he yeah. gave like Body Snatchers four stars. I know he wasn't the biggest fan of Dangerous Game, but mm. no one was. Which yeah, is yeah, a shame yeah. because that movie rules. But yeah, uh, there's the, the article, the, the same article in Cinema Gotham. It's like a DVD talk like column or whatever it says. Um there's like an update where like the interview is happening in like in August in like the summer when the movie status is still like uncertain. But then it says update. It will be released on DVD on November 19th. It will also be released in select New York and Los Angeles theaters on November 22nd, which that seems like a really raw deal to put the movie out on DVD, which is way more accessible than put, than put yeah, right. it in theaters. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess it's not that dissimilar from like Netflix releases, like being released in the in select theaters as well as like, being put on netflix but like mm-hmm. i don't know at that time like directed dvd has like kind of a bad rap to it right mm-hmm. like it's like well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and like when i when i was like i feel like directed tv still has this idea of being the buried sequel too mm-hmm. like especially with disney like that's where they would always go to be like i don't want to put Pocahontas aladdin 2, 2 in theater King yeah, 2. Like, yeah or keep yeah. it artisan yeah. stir of echoes 2 that's directed dvd i'm pretty sure <laughs> right right right. i can't i can't name sequel. disney that's too big of a studio sorry 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 <laughs> are, are we talking about s darko on this podcast are we giving airtime to <laughs> i haven't darko? seen it but i just remember nobody has <laughs> what I mean, they they still got what's her name, uh, Chase. Devay Chase. Is, yeah. Uh, Samara herself. Samara herself. Yes, they got her to come back, but don't they have like a nobody, nobody guy else. in the lead role? Or yeah, let's see. It More was likely. her. I think her, it was her. She was uh, the. the she says Starko, the titular yeah. role. <laughs> yeah. It's all about sparkle motion. I'm assuming. Oh, that's funny. Oh <laughs> you remember sparkle that? Sparkle Darko. Like, yeah. It's so weird. Like, if I were to make a spinoff of Don. Ed Westwick is in this movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Jackson Rathbone, I believe. The other guy from Twilight. Isn't he in it, too? Oh, my God. Is that another, is that another knockoff wow. sequel I'm thinking of? I Do it. I have to... Uh, hmm. Oh, Elizabeth Perkins is the second lead in it. 
I feel like oh. if you were gonna do a spinoff of Donnie Darko, you should do it about uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like, oh, she I feel like she didn't care. <laughs> I, point, I mean, no. At that point, at this... she was doing Secretary and you know Sherry Baby. No, this I was think. this was two thousand nine, so Dark Knight already came out, so she oh, yeah. definitely didn't care. Directed S Dark Nobody. Okay. Um, you try to look it up and it says ass. it says redacted when you try <laughs> to look to it up. It's yeah. just the yeah. shrug emoji yeah. on the IMDb page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Error four oh four. Yeah. 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 Which is weird, Brian. The date that you gave is different from the one that's on the numbers. So I don't know what to believe. Well, but it came out in November. I mean, maybe the like the update. They just like maybe this website wrote the update and then uh, just did not go back to it. I mean, I don't know. Probably. Brian, did anyone uh, November celebrate the twentieth anniversary? Ah, yeah. not yet. <laughs> Although maybe they're waiting for like the the next year when it like because it was like wait because I'm looking at the interview. It plays a can in two thousand one, but then like this interview about it's like uncertain status is in two thousand two. So mm-hmm. like I guess like it really was like in turnover for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it, it reminds me of the movie with Amber Heard. That was one of the longest turnarounds from the festival premiere to the oh yeah. All the boys love Mandy Lane. All the boys love Mandy Lane. Jonathan yeah. Levine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like by that point, like his like this is second movie is like the first thing to come out the whackness i believe right yeah. and, and by that right. time like right. amber heard was casting all those things but yet nobody saw the movie is um, right yeah yeah and then i heard the movie was not fine. that good mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah but it's interesting that charlie was... brought, brings up like this uh was the follow-up to neuro's hotel but and then after rxmas is gogo tales right and that's like the movie about the strip club so it's like he's really trying to keep it into this tight package um even when he's just like, okay, I can't really go bigger like I did with King of New York or something. And but. I mean, where does everyone stand with Ferrara? Because I, I love him and I love his work. He's he, he is a lunatic, and I think that he's that's why he can create great art. But he kind he kind of like not in the same way. They're both provocateurs in the same in different ways. But I kind of think about him in the same ways with Paul Verhoeven and how they approach Catholicism. But they also love poking the bear in many ways that is uh always almost always uncomfortable but also darkly funny and is like ultimately empathetic for people who are often horrible um or just unconventional in some ways and i think uh, and there's clearly a lot of self-loathing i also thought that it was interesting that he was raised catholic but converted to buddhism uh buddhism in 2007 i was converted to buddhism too man. buddhism <laughs> <laughs> jesus uh, there. Um, um, i am very lonely um <laughs> <laughs> meh, meh, meh. <laughs> sound the silent hill sirens yeah um as far as how I sit, every one of his movies I've set kind of differently on. Like, I'm positive on Miss 45 and King of New York, but I was just fine on The Addiction. And then this one I'm even lower on, so... Yeah, he's kind of a mixed bag who's, for you. Who's, yeah. yeah, who's to say what what I'm going to think of his next movie, honestly? Which I figure it's probably going to be New Rose Hotel, cause, mm-hmm. just because I want to see what what's divisive about that. I th- Last time I checked, it might still be on Tubi if you want to check again oh, he's yeah. got a fair um, amount of movies on tubi including yeah. one of his tv movies uh, the Gladiator. dangerous game was on there for a while um yeah, yeah they I might love, that back uh, on. Mm-hmm. yeah i love I, to watch movies while getting good rxmas or good rx <laughs> advertisements not rxmas advertisements. 
as of the time of his or we're recording this too he had two movies come out in this year siberia which was on my top 10 and i think is awesome but is like just absolute like it, it it you know i think when i watched it it had like a zero percent user score like he makes movies that are totally personal now and kind of like uh never get like the critical acclaim that you know the fans uh usually uh would like to see but he's also kind of like De Palma and that like yeah I'm gonna make whatever the fuck I want to make and if uh, you don't care for it well uh, that's not my problem that's a good way of uh, (laughs) putting his modern work is like making movies just for himself and attracting people like Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke to be like yeah I'll do anything with Abel Ferreira because that's like the person who's made so much provocative work throughout the decades no matter what this script looks like and even if there is a script um you're right. Siberia and Zeros and Ones is incomprehensible, but I find them yeah, utterly like mesmerizing as objects, um, and that's pretty rare for a filmmaker to to pull off. Has, have you seen Zeros and Ones, Jack? Or I have. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but I was. Dis- I I've seen it. the cover of it, and I was like, "What's worse, this cover or the Blu-ray uh, cover for First Reformed?" Well, what's funny about the cover for Zeros and Ones is like that's a trend that's been happening with Ferrer's work within the last few movies like Siberia and uh, 444 um, it, it, it's like that kind of makes sense you know like for any and, uh, you mentioned First Reform that's more of A24's problem but also Schrader it's like how do you image how do you put an image to something like this um, I mean the poster well, for First Reformed was pretty awesome and they had that and they just that's, it. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. A24 that's Lionsgate which bought Artisan so I don't know what they're doing oh which because, one yeah which like, one is? it comes at well, uh, Lionsgate puts out all of A24's movies on physical oh, media. Oh, didn't know that. So, like, okay. they're also responsible for nice. that terrible, it comes in an eye Blu-ray cover, uh, a few other ones. I, I only uh, I only I name A24 because I know that they have a trend. Uh, now, now this is Lionsgate's trend of, like, you have a kick-ass poster for the theatrical release, and then once you get to the home video marketing it's always like the worst version of it. It's like what the like uh, it comes at night in green room. It's like okay, what? not a twenty four yeah. or Lionsgate, but yeah, promising young woman has one of the worst DVD Blu ray covers I've ever seen in both of those posters. Mm, yeah. Were available. Yeah, but, yeah the, the like so awesome poster, and they were just like, how about if we have her just leaning? You're like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. What? Yeah. Leaning at the bar, and you can't even mm. tell she's at the bar. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Um. The other key Ferrara movie that I feel like we should talk about, or that Ferrara links this to in interviews, is he talks about how this was originally conceived as, not conceived as, but he was thinking about RX was in relation to King of New York. He says, um, mm-hmm. what's the other side of King of New York? I was really looking for a film about the drug business. It wasn't 50-gallon drums, and you take over all the Colombians in two days, and then three days to take over the Italians. That was King of New York. He wanted to make a film about the reality of the business. He talks about like really getting into the minutia of like, just like... How long does it take to like bag this cocaine and or anything and all that stuff? And then he he seems a little bit a bit a little bit bitter about how well well received King of New York is, uh, talking about how like it was like dismissed upon the time. And then like afterwards, like people were like saying, "Yeah, it rules. When are you gonna make gonna make another movie like that?" It's like we already made that movie. I'm not gonna make it again. And you guys were, were showing up for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's also an interesting comparison in that King of New York is about Christopher Walken getting out of prison and being like, "I want to give back to the people." And when it, it it's fine, he unless it comes to his form of power being threatened, especially by people of color, and then he's like, "No, I'm gonna totally wipe you out if you mm. fuck with me." And here it's kind of the same thing where, um, you know, this wealthy uh woman who's married to a Dominican drug dealer and is 
very racist and uh you know they they don't really appreciate how much they have uh in terms of wealth and privilege and uh just security within you know how much security she has in within with being white although she does not have a lot of security being a woman and then like how it impacts their whole trade impacts everyone who's lower class below them Mm -hmm. so yeah one of my favorite shots from the movie is like the two of them and they're in the living room and they're just having this quiet moment with each other thinking about all the decisions they've made and their daughter is like in the other room and it's just like what are we doing this for and what exactly are we trying to do to achieve our goal it's pretty sobering i i I knew what he i mean i i you know every ferrara film it's tough to get a handle on at first within the first few minutes but i like um there is a moment where and i'm i'm sorry this is also a movie where nobody's credited by their character name they're all credited yeah it's like man woman the kidnapper but um uh i'm sorry uh drea de mateo i hope i'm pronouncing her name correctly drea de matteo i think Mm. is how the trailer pronounces it yeah no no it's adriana from the sopranos yeah yeah Yeah. who is very very good i mean there's a moment too where she says that n-word is you know stealing from us and he's doping up and he and then her husband says well he wasn't an n-word when he was providing us money and i'm like okay this is what yeah like this is like a central theme that's going on here like this is what's like just the fact that you know they aren't racist unless you know they can be there's a problem and then they can lump them into a certain stereotype Mm -hmm. or at least like she's never given an excuse to to become a like some some sort of racist entity and it's it's just like she's willing to work with them as if it unless it benefits herself unless it benefits herself and then of course if there's a problem she can obviously you know weaponize race for her own benefit but also like this movie about like the biggest problem they have is they're just like don't have enough money to buy a doll and then it becomes much more than that and it really is like you know it's very cynical towards capitalism it's very cynical towards you know uh the the whole the way that drugs impact communities based on race and just addiction in general like it and you know like in corruption i mean there's all sorts of stuff i feel like i'm not being very coherent here i'm just making words no solid, no no, no, no. Yeah. you're fine no that makes sense yeah. also just like a quick correction i just double checked and gogo tales wasn't the follow-up it was actually mary is it the the jesus movie oh they, was that his virgin with, mary uh, film yeah uh, mm. julia pinoche and matthew Modine, yeah my bad. Wow. It's just another happy Christmas. It's just another happy family. Okay. But this family is different. This family's business is about to turn bad. The fuck is going on up there? Some shit. We know that. You better straighten this shit out before something stupid happens, I'm telling you. You know that piece of shit Dominican fuck you call a husband carries a five dollar wallet? The fuck are you? Who the fuck am I? I'm the guy that's got your husband. No! Fuck you! Please! I don't know what he wants. I need some real fucking money. Don't fucking play with me, bitch. You are gonna go get me the money, okay? You're gonna get all the dope, you're gonna pack all that shit up, and you're gonna bring it to me. Simple as that. I'm me. She gave me the dinero, all the time dinero. She doesn't even have a fucking dime for her fucking son. All that goddamn money we send down there. You got a beautiful daughter? She love her father? Yeah, she fucking loves her father, all right? God, she probably loves him more than she loves me. She's daddy's little girl. I love you so much. Wow. This is the best Christmas ever because I got And this film is starring uh, 
straight. Hold on, I got this. <clears throat> I'm not extremely white, please. Uh, Drea D. Mateo. Yes, yes, okay, okay. As the wife, of course, uh, Adriana on Sopranos. Lilia Brancato as the husband. He uh, was also on the Sopranos for a few episodes. Uh, Victor Argo as Louis, previously on Ghost Dog. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ice-T as the kidnapper. And just a quick, there's really, I couldn't find much just straight-up trivia. I could only find some casting choices that were dropped. Uh, John Leguizamo was originally cast as the husband and did some work on the script, but eventually pulled out of the film. Oh, he would have been, I mean, I think the guy who plays the husband's good, but John Leguizamo would have been perfect for this, especially following up uh, Summer of Sam. Right. Uh, Annabella Sciarro, is that how you say her name? Sciarro. Siora, who worked with was, the Ferrara on the addiction, yeah, right, right, was originally cast as the wife, but later pulled out. Forrest Whitaker was initially attached to play the kidnapper. So, that's all the quick trivia I have. Uh, I'm assuming Panic Room got in the way with Whitaker because didn't that come out around the same time? Yeah, I don't Panic know. Panic Room's O2, yeah, yeah, um, right, like yeah. spring of O2, I think, yeah, right. Um, initial thoughts. I will go first and. Um, just get the negative out of the way so you guys can gush <laughs> keep it brief it. uh yeah uh i was not a fan of this it's just not for me uh this the slowness of it i understand why he's doing it the emotions that will come from that just the feeling the weight of all of it but it definitely just kind of didn't really work for me and uh, like ice tea's fine in it but drea is the one that's like actually really really good in this and yeah. was the big saving grace for it but uh the husband boy howdy uh his uh dominican accent was not working for me at all um uh, yeah i i i i don't have much notes i don't have much thoughts other than it just it just wasn't for me but like i said i've been very different on many different Abel Ferrara movies, so I'm sure there's going to be much more that work for me and probably much more that won't work for me, but that's how I am on our Xmas Christmas. So, uh... Yeah, so I haven't really seen that much Ferrara. I've seen... I saw Canyon New York years ago when I was in high school. I watched Miss 45 as preparation for this. Uh, that was, like, the only one I managed to squeeze in because I plan my time badly. Uh, really liked it. I really like this one too. Um, it was interesting, like knowing the premise, uh, of like, it's about like a kidnapping during Christmas. So I was expecting more of like, kind of like a fast paced genre movie with just that log line. But then like very quickly, I mean, it's funny, the kidnapping doesn't even really happen. until so like, maybe like what, 30, 40 minutes into this very yeah, short like movie. Yeah, like halfway through the run. Yeah. yeah. But so like, I kind of liked just like all like the drawn out process stuff. Like I really do love like process stuff, like showing like, this is like the mundane t- details of the business and also how like, and how casually I think like they reveal their lifestyle and everything. Like it shows them just like going to their kids' Christmas concerts and spending their time and establishing, I mean without excusing these characters um prejudices and their criminal behavior the movie does like paint them as like very un like like irrefutably human and everything like with like they 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 have friends they have family that they care about and like there is like kind of like it's really interesting how like there's all the shots of like the family throughout the movie because like it one it builds like sort of like a sense of history and sense of camaraderie even like admits like all the business stuff like i love when the scene when they're packing all the drugs and everything like you can hear drea damadio in the background going like oh man like 
like he was trying to get the doll and everything, but then like there were these fucking moms who were like fighting over it and everything. Like that's just like going on. It's like business as usual, but also like yeah, they have other things that they need to deal with. And when stuff is getting really tense, it's interesting how like it's just sort of uncommented upon, or not uncommented upon, but like not a, but like just sort of casually established that like the family is like even though it's like a separate there's separate lives between the family and the business. The family is also aware of it because when Drea DiMatteo is on the phone getting all stressed out, they cut to the grandmothers and the aunts and whatnot, like getting up on the couch and like the kids like sleeping in the, in the, in the room and everything. It's, there is something very touching in that, like how they're like trying and failing to shield their kid and the rest of their family from this life that is increasingly getting harder to maintain. And like, you know, they're, you know, like we were talking about how like they're unaware of like the privilege that they have, I guess, or like, or like, how they use other people to maintain their privilege and also they, they're not aware of how uh how futile it is because the movie ends mm-hmm. with like them in like a very uncertain place where it's like they're gonna go where he's thinking well maybe i'll get out of this but then like uh his friend like says you know get back to business and then the title card comes over like this moment of him like singing it's like really happy and joyous but then like it's all gonna come crashing down within like a very short period of time and it's i don't know the, the movie is able to like it it, it doesn't ask you to like view these characters as good and everything but it does ask you to view them as as human and like as people and everything and i found Mm -hmm. that very interesting i don't know i just found kind of like the melon the slow melancholy of it and like the mundane emotional detail but on emotional details of like their everyday lives like very very absorbing in its own way uh i'll maybe try to be a little bit more detailed as we go on in the conversation but i i quite like this one a lot Mm -hmm. i really want to see more ferrara's work yeah go on and connecting this with king of new york is interesting considering how stripped down with style this is um yeah, yeah like, king of new york is kinetic in and style. people getting like yeah. shot and like blasted like 50 feet in the air or whatever like having I mean, like <laughs> shooting out of like sunroofs and everything i was expe- i honestly was kind of expecting that with this movie and it's like there's maybe like one gunshot and it's like that's really it and mm-hmm. it's uh it, and you yeah, see that you see a gun to... more than it's fired i think um yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. That's more about posturing. And I think when, like, the guns do happen everything, I mean, that's, like, what I like about the slowness of, like, the first act, where it is, like, just kind of, like, them, like, going to the shopping for the doll, and then, like, it's a hard cut to, like, Lilo Brancato suddenly, like, just being thrown out of a moving van or whatever. And it's like, oh, like, it's, like, it is intentionally jarring. It kind of, like, upsets the rhythm of the movie and also of their lives, too, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, Jack, I'd like to know what you, what you like about this movie, because yeah. you, you, you came on for this movie. I'm curious. <laughs> Um, I'm, I've become more familiar with Ferreira. Um, I've seen 12, uh, movies and I don't think I'm as strong. I don't think I have a strong relationship like if some other, uh, some of our other friends do. Um, but I, I get what he's going after a lot of, a lot of, I mean, uh, including this, a lot of his work focuses on drugs and the effects that it can have on one's psyche and how it reflects others' relationships with that person and if they want to change or not. Um, with this, it's not so much like the consumption of drugs, but it's just like the commodification and how it's affecting one family and it's so insular. Um, and this one's really, really good. You know, it's it's made after uh, a string of like very small stories um, coming off a string of 90s uh, hits that, that were like moderately to well received i think this one's like really cool is like a debriefing um after the 90s but yeah. yeah and it's uh it it has it has the feeling of sort of like what the wire was trying to convey a little bit um i did think of the wire yeah. quite a bit watching yeah. this actually yeah 
Yeah, I I pretty much laid my cards on the table saying that I'm a Ferrara fan. Um, this might not be like one of my favorites of his, but I I also think like most of his movies, watching it a second time, it'll probably hit me even harder. Uh, agree with pretty much everything Bryden and Jack have said, and um, yeah, I I do think it is interesting just how I mentioned it earlier, but how restrained it was. I was expecting, um. Maybe it's also because I've been recently watching what he's... I mean, Siberia is just unhinged. Like, like just scene to scene, like, what am I looking at now? So it is kind of interesting to watch one of his older movies, even if it came out right after New Rose Hotel, and be like, oh, there's just, like, it's pretty straightforward in terms of what it's saying, and in terms of the plot, in terms of, like, how... It's not small scale, because it's about a kidnapping, but it is kind of like... Yeah, they, and they're all freaking out, but it is kind of played out as matter of fact, like this is part of the job uh, or part of the business that they have entailed. And I think there is something – I was rewatching clips of it to prepare um, for the pod today, and uh, just like they do have family and they do have a lot in terms of wealth and, you know – uh, upper class status and stuff like that but like most Ferrara films these characters are so fucking lonely like I'm not even saying that the couple doesn't even love each other but like there's just scenes of like the husband in church just by himself with all of the you know religious imagery behind him which is exactly everything they're avoiding about Christmas to begin with and uh you know her explaining the wife explaining to Ice T that was just like, look, we you know we met when we were younger and then we met again and we fell in love and got married. But like, there's not really like. But then like the scene towards the end where he was like, did Ice T touch you? Because I mean, if I was in his position, I would have touched you. Like, and it's just kind of like, ooh, oh, like it's all, it's all so such superficial. Like their their forms of happiness are so. Uh, it's it's all just for show. There's not really any like genuine uh, warmth to their lifestyle if it doesn't if you know they aren't financially secure in some way and they aren't able to please their daughter who is a child who don't get me wrong like getting a kid what they want for Christmas is important when they're children but like the ways that they go out of their depths to buy a doll for like I don't know $1,500 I think at one point or $2,500 at one point is just mm -hmm. insane um at one point I was like is that like a doll made of coke like in traffic like are they just gonna put the doll in like water and just snort the shit out of it no not really but it's uh I, I do think also can we just mention that doll is fucking hideous like <laughs> yeah, so it, scary and it's so it's, funny it's, too I, I looked in my notes that the debate is like the price that they I think is pitched is $2,500 and then there's like talking about like do you want it in a box or a boxless doll and everything because there's one on the doll it's like she's like well what about that one on the shelf and it doesn't have a box or whatever and they're arguing it's like oh my gosh like it's very I, I thought that was funny just the <laughs> detail yeah it, I mean it looks like a 50 year old version of Avril Lavigne though like it's like <laughs> it's like I mean, I know that's horrible, but, like, it, it's just, like, that's the doll that everyone wants, and it's, like, obviously the doll's sort of supposed to represent her kind of inner state, I yeah. think, in some way, of just kind of, like, I'm, you know, like, like, because it, at some point, like, this thing is gonna just, it is either gonna crumble down on them, or she's gonna live this life forever and grow old and lonely and just completely unsatisfied, so. I think, I think Rory's, like, always tried to be a warm and loving filmmaker too um he's he's built uh relationships off of the idea that it's transactional but they're not too distant from each other like they the love is real but it's like at what cost is it going to be 
uh, so genuine that we buy into it. And here, man and man and woman, um, they, it's, I don't know. You you want to say they they love each other and what? Yeah, like what they're doing is right. But because the movie is like so cold and and, and um, yeah, it's it's like you can't really see anything here. Um, he always makes big asks for you to have some sort of sympathy for people who are really committing toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially something like Bad Lieutenant. I mean, like 20 minutes into Bad Lieutenant, Harvey Keitel makes two teenage girls basically, uh, like, he basically assaults them. Yeah. And, it, like, in order to get them out of a parking ticket. And yet, by the end of that thing, I am very moved by his own inner demons, even though I don't think the movie's ever, like, it's not like the Ferrara makes movies where... Like, you know, Kaitel's character in that movie is like, I'm sorry for all the heroin and sexual assault I was committing. That that was wrong. Like, yeah, it, it always yeah. it always makes it, it, there's always a sense of self-loathing within his characters. And I think within Ferrara himself, where he wrestles with a lot of um issues with, you know, just uh it, 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 like almost martyrdom and uh self-harm and a in terms of how it relates to his Catholic uh, upbringing. And I think that does apply here because, I mean, it, it, it could be like, it, it is set during Christmas because it makes it convenient for the doll to be, you know, well, we got to get our doll, you know. Our and every filmmaker needs Christmas, to make a Christmas but, movie. Yeah, but it does tie into all of his themes that are about, you know, uh, loneliness and, and um, almost like, a form of you know self-punishment and martyrdom in a way that like mm-hmm. every single one of his characters feels they deserve um and, and because the the movie it, the, all of his movies are so moody and, and challenging and provocative the relationships at the center of most of them reflect that and it's like it feels more cohesive that it's not like this beating heart at the core it's just like it's also like very like uh you know, it's it's pretty distant as well as the movie is. It always takes you until like the end of his movies to see like what is truly going on within the mindset of his characters, and I think that, um, like even if you can get it, pick up on it from like the beginning, I think it doesn't really hit his characters until like the third act, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to stuff like the addiction or Bad Lieutenant or you know even something like Siberia, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I think this is, you know, I understand why many consider it to be a minor for our work, but I do think it is ultimately essential viewing if you are interested in studying him as, you know, one of our, uh, as an influential filmmaker. And he certainly is. I, I don't think he's ever going to break up. He's never going to be mainstream. Yeah, I, I was just going to say something similar that the, like, even if this is minor work, uh, this feels like something that feels like, no, this feels like the guy that came, made Miss 45 and Body Snatchers and Driller Killer. Yeah, it's like... Well, there's um, not much plot or to go through really, like, beats by beats, honestly, unless uh, unless I'm completely wrong. But, I mean, honestly, you could... It's, it's not the plot, it's the how it's everything is told and whatnot. It's not a very scene-by-scene type of basis. Kind of like when we were talking about Ghost Dog, honestly, but a little bit less than that. But, I mean, I can pretty much just give the log line, and that would be, like, summing up the movie besides giving the ending, which is, um, 
hold on, I had it right here. Um, it's a few days before Christmas, and a Latin American couple living in New York City are preparing and packaging their heroin for street distribution. Distribution. While the wife has her qualms about the ethics of drug dealing, both she and her husband know there's plenty of money to be made. The couple discovers one of their low-level dealers may be talking to the police, but they soon have a bigger problem to deal with when the husband is kidnapped and held for a huge ransom. Yeah, I mean, do we want to talk about? <laughs> We've all been there. To us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just a ordinary yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, do we want to talk about scenes that like stuck out to us like throughout the movie? Because I mean, like Kevin said, like you know, not a, not so many plot-heavy movie, but I feel like there's like a lot of scenes that like stick out as like memorable. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I think um, anything with iced tea and Dre tomato is is pretty good. Yeah, uh, I would like I would like to start this off not talking about scenes that stood out to me, but the uh, plot keywords on IMDb for this movie. It's just a uh, very what are plot keywords? Um, I don't know. This. Um, it's just there's 170 for this movie, oh. which is just like wow. um, crime, more than I would drugs. <laughs> Stuff like that. Oh, but so it's like things. tags a little bit, like on Larabot? Yeah, yeah, like tags. Like, I just love like drug C. movies and crime movies, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christmas movies. First of all, like um, like the top five that have one out of one found this relevant is Blonde Woman, Short Dress, Corrupt Cop, Pig, and Bearded Child. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Because it opens long... with them performing Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, yeah, I have a feeling somebody looking at that tag and watching this movie be like, what the fuck? That's a fake bearded child. This is bullshit. Um, sitting on Santa's lap. Okay. Just gonna. That would have been really funny that. if it was like Billy Bob Thornton playing Santa in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder how bad Santa holds up. A Ferrara film. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I like Bad Santa a lot. I haven't seen the sequel because I'm too afraid to, because that first one is no, dear no. To me. But is there any good comedy sequels that are delayed like ten plus years that are actually good? Hmm. That would be a fun research project, but I can't like, think of any. Anchorman is not. Anchorman, Anchorman Two is not terrible. Mm. Uh, the sequel to Dumb and Dumber, I refuse to watch. Oh, it's awful. The sequel to Zoolander, I refuse to watch. Didn't see that either. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... Bryden's like, I'll stick out for it. (laughs) No, I doubt it. Um, I'm just... There's some... Backwards baseball cap. Who is searching for movies with those um, dolls sitting at a table pointing a gun at someone? (laughs) Can I mention that one scene that stood out to me was the Ice-T's first scene because his first line is pretty epic, which is he... uh, uh, the wife just gets the doll, pays like twenty five hundred dollars for the doll. She falls asleep in the car, and then you get a you get um this scene where it's clear the husband's been kidnapped. They um put him on the ground. They have like an automatic weapon that they fire a few warning shots into, and it hard cuts to Ice T slamming her husband's um ID onto the window, and Ice T says, "You know that piece of shit Dominican fuck you call a husband carries a five dollar wallet," and she's immediately like. Where did you get that? And I was just kind of like, <laughs> like I maybe it, it just gave me a laugh. And like, I mean, Ice T's really going for it. Um, Ice T particularly hates he and his uh, group particularly hate Dominican people, which that is not subtle at all. Nor do I mind that it is. Uh, th- those scenes, once everything did kick into gear, stood out for me. I mean, yeah, moments like um, 
when they are like like you said, Bryden, when they are packing coke and one side character, it's not even. It's almost like in the background, one person's like, "How are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm exhausted. The Christmas play, buying, going toy shopping, like everything." And it's kind of like, yeah, this is all superficial, like capitalist Christmas shit. Like this isn't really anything meaningful. It's just, it's 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 depriving everything away from the true meaning of the holiday, which I don't think Ferrara is being heavy handed about at all, but it also kind of is representative of their Catholic lifestyle in a way and how this type of thing is just completely bringing them no real happiness, even though they are aspiring to, you know, even though they have a ton and are always aspiring to do more, it's not really a life that is fulfilling for them in any way. That's true. Like looking at this as a Christmas movie, it's always interesting to see on a tour make one and they interject what they always come back to with their themes and how those apply to um, a certain individual looking at Christmas and like what you can take away from it, what you put into it and like what the holiday means to you. Cause like there's this universal idea about what Christmas means. There's a religious idea of it, but also like a personal one. So, you know, but even the scene where she buys the doll, it's them fighting for, like, a while. Like, oh, come on, you said this amount of money. And he's like, hey, you're just lucky I have it, okay? 2500 <laughs> for the doll. And she's like, okay, fine, here you go. And then she's, he, they're like, okay, Feliz Navidad, happy holidays, love to your family. Like, And he actually thinks he's being, like like polite in that and it's just like no it's just it's just fucking ridiculous <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean i guess the movie is like i think some of it it alternates between like sincere and like artifice i mean like the movie opens pretty early on with like a, a the christmas pageant performance and like lilo brancato is like filming it with a video camera and you're seeing a lot of these images like of family life with like through a video camera it's like a mediated image of it and then like when he's like but then like that's I I love how casually they reveal like that they're dealers and everything when it's like them like driving to the city and then like it's like dissolving into them like entering the apartment Mm -hmm. and then like it's just like they're like spraying it I'm thinking okay like you could just think it's like spring cleaning but then it's like no they're spraying down the table so they can like cut coke on it and then like and then with the artifice too it's like they're handing out packages with like festive gift wrapping on it to like people who arrive (laughs) at the door and everything it's like it's all like a cover for it and everything but then stamping it yeah. mm -hmm, yeah but then there is there is like real tenderness i think like when they're like giving like the multi-peck smooches to like their kid as they're out the door and like there's like alternating between like saying tender things to each other in english or spanish you know it's like there is like the there are these moments where it is like them genuinely connecting but this this other life keeps the business of this ugly life keeps like intruding upon them yeah uh, yeah it's um like like um like dropping their daughter off at uh drea's parents so they can bag up coke peacefully stuff like that i you did bring up too yeah on this topic you did bring up how the daughter would being asleep when the everyone's panicking and stuff like that it did make me think of how whenever martin scorsese has horrible domestic scenes of domestic abuse and within uh care with characters who have children that the child is always in the frame somewhere whether it's you know the irishman where she's watching Robert De Niro kicked the shit out of that guy or Wolf of Wall Street with Leo and Margot Robbie having fights, Raging Bull. Goodfellas. Uh, I mean, yeah. the ki- Goodfellas. The kids are always in the picture, and I think it's really clever how they don't ever sh- use this child's pain or, like, emotional distress to heighten anything. It's just that they're always there. And, like, that kid probably has an idea of what's going on but also like when you're a kid christmas is like the happiest time of the year so it does make sense that they want to make their kid happy it's just that you know like they're just 
you know, they're corrupt and they mm-hmm. are in a business that requires hurting so many people who, you know, and putting, you know, disenfranchised people like to take big risks in order to make this one little girl happy. And this little girl has no idea that, you know, her parents are, you know, culpable in all of this you know chaos this kind of feels like know, something but... uh that would happen to a real person in able forever like heard it from another friend like telling them about uh a family like is. going yeah, through all is. this I mean, oh. it is basically what happened. wow you're, yeah. you're shitting yeah. me okay yeah wow <laughs> well, well like i mean it's like it was it, like a couple that was like doing this and they just was like all right what's your story and everything and then like she yeah started, like relaying it to him it reminds me of in in that sense now that that's true um uh how the safties thought of heaven knows what Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. which is such right. an underappreciated film. Even though the yeah. Safties have blown up, I still feel like that film hasn't gotten its yeah. day in the sun. That yeah. was so good. I think since they've blown up, like people have looked back on that and Daddy Long Legs and uh, Lenny Cook thing. But I hope so, at least. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I, I set the log line, which is a majority of the movie, and then it has a particular twist where we learned that Ice-T is actually a cop, that is, this is his way of trying to clean up the streets. So what was everybody's read of that and how it uh, incorporates with the family of, like, this guy is not just a low-level guy, he's a uh, cop trying to clean up the streets, like, off-duty and whatnot. I mean, it makes his racism make sense, that's for sure. Like, Right. And the hypocrisy of it, too. I mean, in the background of, like, one of the scenes where, like, you cut to Lilo Brancato kidnapped, you see one of the dr- one of the cops is, like, snorting coke, like, in the background. So, like, they're just as, like, culpable in all of this. And, you know, I'm not, like, a, a big expert on, like... So the movie, like, is set, like, in a period, I guess, like, when the mayor of New York is David Dinkins. Is that his, his, his name? I don't, right. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with him, but I guess, like... I don't know, the implications is that, like, crime is, like, kind of out of control and everything. And then Giuliani is the replacement that's announced at the end of the movie. But, like, I mean, it's, like, showing, like, how... Cleans it up with racism. Yeah, it's, like, any solution that the police are having, it's going to be, like, awful and damaging, like, in any way. I mean, and Ferrara talks about how, like, he's not in support. I mean, he says, like, you know, broken windows are bad, but also, like, it's, like, you know it's not fair when like you're sending a guy like to prison for like multiple years for like you know a minor offense and then like you know a a wall street guy like steals like millions of dollars and gets a pat on the back like he says like that's like there is like an an, there is still inequality even when like these new solutions are coming in with the police and everything so he's he's very critical of that i think and just like false and false taking down these institutions too i mean charlie you talk about when he goes to the church this is something i didn't even pick up on when i watched the movie but ferrara talks about in an interview where like when he goes to the church, it's a heroin buy that Brancato is making yep. with 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 the priest. I didn't even like pick up on that, but it's just like showing how like all these things that are meant to be like you know respected or whatnot are like just like kind of a sham. You know, mm. Whether it's yeah, the definitely. Or the church or family it, or whatever. Yeah, and it also does make sense that um, all the people I noticed while watching the clip again, like all the people who kidnap the husband, are white. And uh, it makes sense for Ice-T to be like, well, if we kidnap the Dominican guy, there will be less, you know, if we kidnap the Dominican uh, partner, that'll probably be less noticed. And then we can make the wealthy white woman who he's married to give us all the money. Like, I mean, it does make sense from that aspect of when you consider, you know, racial profiling and corruption and all that. So, like, I, I mean, yeah, it's... 
it's also interesting too because it, like you think about how Ice T plays a cop in Law and Order SVU, and it was just like one of the episodes where he wasn't filming was he just went to do this that day. It could be the same character for all we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And speaking of that, here is his greatest line of dialogue from Law and Order. Thank you. Here it is. Man, I am not gay. I have relationships with women and sex with men. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. And we're back. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I could think of while watching it. I just wanted him to say it. I, I just think it's interesting that like racism is abound in every in all aspects of this movie too. Like nobody is just a woke saint, which mm-hmm. Ferrara would never ever go down those simplistic routes of analyzing. I mean, he's too mon- he's too complex in just human nature and yeah. so, you know the the society that they inhabit. That's weird because the IMDb keywords here, woke saint, <laughs> is one of the keywords. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that mistake. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? I feel like because he's so focused on grit and grime and like dirt, I feel dirty every time I watch a Ferrari movie. Like yes. I saw something I wasn't supposed to see. Um, and race uh, and prejudice is another example of that, uh, just as much as crime and violence is. That's just all these things are intertwined. It, are they're intertwined in uh, um, Ferrara's vision of New York and there's something kind of beautiful about that it's just that's that's just new york it's not um anything to be pushed back on it's just um i'm uh, seeing here that kurt cameron's newest movie is called woke saint okay i'm done i swear to god <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Jesus that's his follow-up to uh saving christmas okay goodness um yeah ferrara is interesting like these moments are never I don't think you can like a, like just like have one takeaway from like any of the scenes. I mean, the scene that you cited, Charlie, that I found like really interesting in the movie was um when like he's talking to his wife post kidnapping. He says like, and asks if Ice T touched her, and like there's like three different ways you could read that scene or that line reading where it's mm-hmm. he could be asking, and like, he's really focused like, like, on it him. for a long time too. It's not just yeah. not brushed yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, it could be like he's he could be like making just like a joke to like shrug it off or whatever, or like or sh- or sh- he could be like showing like you know so like showing he's like that's like kind of a cretinous sense of humor or whatever, but like uh, or it could be like his paranoia. I mean, if we're talking about the racial element of it, like you know if like, oh, yeah. you know his wife being assaulted by a black guy, I mean that could be uh, on his mind. But then also, what's interesting is that scene is followed up by a flashback to him his time being kidnapped and he's being forced to suck on a gun like you know perform, yeah. perform fellatio on it and it's kind of like an interesting comment on like masculinity how like this like he like in his own way like it's like a form of like sexual gets, assault yeah. and it's like yeah. and it's that's like lingering in his mind and he but he can't mm-hmm. quite confront it and that's why he's maybe he, asking yeah. his wife about it it's well yeah, yeah he gets his ass beat and is so sore on his side that he can like barely even move but his main concern is if he did something to her or something like that because it's like it's okay if i get my ass beat but i just hope that you know uh she she didn't do anything or anything like that or it's just like the or where it's like yeah with the scene with the gun is demasculating him but he's he's even even after that he's still falling into the traps of being like oh i hope you didn't do anything with that guy and whatnot yeah absolutely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's it all creates just this feeling that it's not hectic. You know, like all these things are happening at not like a breakneck pace, but it's like someone someone could get killed doing this, but it's not like it's not death at every corner. And that's that's kind of an interesting way to approach this. Yeah, the the scenes where yeah, the wife is freaking out too, where she's trying she's comforting the elderly members of the household and then she'll light a cigarette and then she'll go into the cabinet and take a swig of booze and then just be like, Okay, like it's almost like, you know, like got to pick up my kid from daycare but like i got all this other stuff on my plate it's kind of like you know and obviously this is like a much more serious situation that she's taking seriously apart from that but it is kind of like that maternal like instinct but also i'm assuming this is also the first time that she's ever had to deal with something in this um in this line of work on her own before because she, I, I i don't know if the movie's implying this but it's you know, he seems to be doing all of the briberies when it comes to like, hey, I'll give you money for this doll at the beginning. And she's like, no, you can put your name on the list and do this. And he's the one dealing with, you know, getting, um, you know, being in contact with everyone. He's And she's kind of now having to like, you know, deal with this all as matter of fact, um, what her husband has been doing the entire time. And then, you know, like it is kind of amazing that it didn't end in like just outright bloodshed that he does come home. And then they're like, as uh, I believe it was Bryden that you mentioned this, like, yeah, it's all going to come tumbling down at some point. This wasn't that moment, but <laughs> we know that this isn't going to last. It's kind of like, I mean, if you ended the Irishman at that uh, scene, that party scene where Anna Paquin's dancing with Al Pacino and they all think they're living on top of the world. And it's like, yeah, the... The loneliness and the dying alone and all that—that's around the corner. So, yeah, that's the. Can you imagine presence. if the Irishman just ended? Can you imagine if the Irishman just ended with like a whole like scroll of credits, like saying this person died, this person died, this person died, <laughs> just like ends yeah. like eighty minutes before all that. And it's like I a mean, solo it, shot it, of it everybody. Does, and, uh, yeah. It does actually start with characters being introduced and then no. shows how they died. No, but yeah, like, if it ended that's true. with that, right. if it just yeah, yeah. did that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, and to bring it to link it back to Ken New York once more, Frank White has all this money and privilege and, and power that like these characters don't like they they could have like bribed their way to uh, to one of the dolls much easier than than man could. Anyone also pick up on the clown that's always like hanging over them in the apartment or wherever they? Oh live, yeah, 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 which yeah. is just like it's all is that like an elf on the shelf type type Jesus, situation? Or? And then it's yeah. kind of like these people are. Yeah, are essentially clowning around. I mean, like it's not like <laughs> what they do doesn't have an impact on everyone else around them. It obviously does, mostly a negative impact. I mean, I think it's interesting too that like Ice T does not not have a point where he's like, "You people are like literally causing all of this damage to the community." But at the same time, it's like, is he much better? I mean, like, no, he's no, not. He, no, his, his, yeah, his partners like, are doing coke too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it, it it takes a level of complexity, and it's not in a. Yeah, and, and this is all confined to eighty minutes. I know, Kevin, you had a problem with the pacing, and yeah, it is. A, it, it's pretty. Uh, it, it's paced pretty. Um, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, yeah, because it's not patient. It's just it's it just it's but it doesn't a have a vibe. rush. Yeah, it just it's, it's no, it, no rush. It's almost a. It's almost a vibe movie for the first mm. half hour, just giving you an insight into this world. And then, yeah, then the kidnapping comes in and it's not as it, it is anything but glamorized. That's for sure. Too, yeah. Even if it has 
a style to it. For Ferrara, this is one of the most restrained things I've ever seen from Definitely, films. definitely. Because, like, the movie's trying to interrogate, like, how do you maintain being a good person if you're only just trying to do this for your kid? And, like, if you're doing something bad, but in return for something good, like, do the does the morality equal out? And, you know, obviously that's, like, kind of a timeless question. So, it's... Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the performances, too? I mean, I, I think, um, you know... I'm not 100% sold on Lilo Brancato's performance in this. I think he's, I mean, you know, I think it's like interesting that he's sidelined for most of the movie and everything. So like he maybe doesn't make, it's not, it's intentional that he's sidelined uh, for a lot of it, but he is a little reserved, I guess. I guess that's maybe, but, but then I, I guess the energy kind of works where it is this guy, like kind of like aging up, like past the point where it's like, how long can I keep doing this before? Like I die or like I end up in jail or like, you know, this is sort of like, stops being sustainable for me so i understand why maybe that is like sort of sitting with him and i think he sells like the the ending of the movie where like he sort of like after he's like he finds the body in the trunk and then like he walks and then freezes as like he sort of like contemplates like what his life is going to be from here on out um i don't know i do I mean, knowing that john legazamo was going to be in it does make me think like ah i really agree. could like yeah. that Legazamo yeah. could sell the pathos Absolutely. but also like, i think legazamo would work really well with ferrera too that seems like the type of energy Absolutely. I didn't um, pick up never on collabed. I I mean I don't I can't think of anything. Um, but as for people who haven't completed their filmography, the filmography, um, might not be the uh, best people. I didn't pa- pick up on the Giuliani thing at the very end credit. Um, oh, you didn't. It, what is it completely obvious and oh, it was oh, mentioned? Oh, oh no, I I I just well I mean. No, wait, it's a title you... card at the end. The title like, card, it scrolls, yeah, like, yeah. Right, it scrolls over him like singing at the yeah. at the party. It says like here here I'll find the quote. I think it's uh, yeah he's gonna it's like a few days later. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then to be continued and everything like but like what know, did he, was he strict on drugs? Thing. Is that the implication? Oh, he's uh, he enforced stop and frisk, sending people yeah. to jail for minor drug offenses, sending people to jail for uh, hopping the turnstile. Like Broken he cleaned up. Oh, it's yeah. Also, See, it's like I, I was like, is was there a mention of Giuliani throughout the movie? Is this a young Giuliani? Like, I don't know. No. It's at the very end of the movie. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, but it's also fascinating yeah. to think about how this came out. Like, I'm assuming after 9/11, where Giuliani was kind of being championed for how he handled it america's mayor yeah yeah you know like so it's pretty bold for them to m- drop that final twist of the knife you know at the end mm-hmm. so i mean obviously it does relate into it it just it's later, not i don't think it's jarring but, yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah, no yeah. no it's also got it's funny it has that font i don't what what is that font it's just like <laughs> it's the most unglamorized like just state of the fact like right font that i think is definitely a choice i mean if anything it kind of makes you it gives you an indication that like yeah this is a ferrara film but i'm not going to be like like batshit insane like i have been in the past so Mm -hmm. yeah restraint's a good word for it like it especially after new rose hotel where it's like it's clearly not that big of a budget but it's still such a moody vibe for 1998, that, I think. Yeah, 99, I think. Yeah, the, yeah. the last half hour. The late states were thin or weird. Yeah. Fucking, the last half hour of New Rose Hotel, where in which it's just remixes of scenes you've seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely yeah. disintegrates into just complete. Oh yeah, uh, that one's funky. Psychosis. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I actually need to rewatch it. Um, but yeah. 
Um, and Drea Damadio, I mean, we were talking a little bit more about, like, uh, how, like, yeah, she's, great, she's, she's mm-hmm. so good. I mean, like, she's, like, she, it's a very dynamic performance, like, when she's just on the phone and everything, like, pacing around, a lot of touching her face and, like, narrowing her eyebrows and everything, and just sort of, like, it, there is, like, a very, the movement of her performance is just very anxious, conveying that energy throughout the whole thing, and it's, it's very watchable. Yeah, just, like, I'm, I'm really... Around, like, as she's trying to watch the wheels turn in her head. Yeah. It's and, great how much yeah, she has to do. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, the, every time she drops some sort of slur is like it stinks too <laughs> yeah. because you can tell it's just projection onto like other people because she can't deal with the amount of potential self-loathing that she has for being in this situation too. I mean, mm-hmm. she says pretty much every horrible word in the book in this movie, yeah. and it's kind of like, oh, like you are not okay right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. But then she is really ten. What's it's the thing of like these characters are never one thing. Like there's the one scene that yes. I was looking through my notes where she's like talking to the families who are saying, Oh yeah, my daughter wants to like go to designer school. And she's like, she's like leaning. It's like, Oh, she does. That's great. Like the way her voice like raises yeah. up in pitch. She is like, I'd like to think that she is sincere in that moment and everything. And there are these connections. Or, or I don't know. It's like the kind of thing where it's like, how sincere are you being and everything? You're conveying it very well or mm. convincingly. Yeah. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it makes it. She's consistently sort of, like, attentive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like the lack of, I don't know if I'd want to say lack of judgment. I don't think Ferrara likes uh, the, cr- the presence of crime, but it is like, it's it, the casualness, I think is like almost like, it does almost have like kind of a non-judgmental tone almost, or at least not like, not pa- or not like uh, sort of like the gray area of it. We also don't know what, what their lives were like before this. They could have had to deal mm. really with a ton of shit before they ended up getting all of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which i kind of love that it's not just a rags to riches drug movie you know that would be but really I interesting that that... that's like a whole yeah, different movie but, yeah but i i get the idea that they weren't always this well off yeah and yeah, now yeah, they're yeah. kind of like you know like now they have everything they've aspired to get and achieve and it's still not enough for yeah one of the things they're talking about at the end of the movie is like whether or not they're going to stay in business is one Yes, will their kids stay in private school? But also, I don't want to move back in with my mother. I love mm. my mother, or like, yeah. it's, but like I, we can't do that again. <laughs> you um, do yes. love my mother. Yes, <laughs> there's that bit. Yeah. Um, are we all Sopranos fans? I've seen the first season. It's really good. oh, I, I think I, I maybe we've talked about it before. I I've only seen like eight episodes of the first season. I watched it when I was starting my first semester in college and then I, you know, college happened. So I fell off the <laughs> rock and roll. Game, but yeah. It has been on my list yeah. for so long. And the episodes I have seen, like I've seen some pivotal episodes of the first season, like college, which is just incredible. Yeah. So yeah, it's on my yeah. list. I'm about halfway through it right now. Oh, cool. Ish. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to mention like Adriana um, gives straight to Mario so much to do and so much agency and uh, freedom to explore her as as this like as this woman who's tied into this mob connection but still um has doubts and uh with with a relation to, to christopher and it's like it's almost like she, the power dynamic from the sopranos has shifted into here where it's like she's now the higher the higher power <laughs> i mean forced into the higher power but it's like with the sopranos she was always playing second to to um christopher while while still like having it be most of the time pretty equal with the two of them and it's really only a temporary shift of power because once he comes home she's just in her you know housewife mm-hmm. again yeah 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 she hasn't really like 
not that she seems to want to exceed that. She seems exceedingly, uh, exceedingly overwhelmed when she's put in this position. But like, I do think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I was going to ask as someone who hasn't caught up with as much of her work on the Sopranos, cause I haven't seen as much of it. Where, where has she been and why hasn't she been in that much? Cause even though this was kind of my introduction to her, like she's pretty fucking great. And one thing I could think of is she was on that, uh, shades of blue. I think the Jennifer Lopez dirty cop show with Ray Liotta that mm-hmm. lasted a few seasons. I think she was on that. She might've been the cop who was like investigating. Yeah. Ray that's Liotta NBC. That, but right. Yeah. It's a- Maybe CBS. Well, yeah. let me see. <laughs> One of those. Uh, yeah, be careful she here. She was on about 40 episodes of that. Uh, I can't find... NBC. NBC. Um, and then after that, she was on another show, A Million Little Things, for about 15 episodes. Wait, based and then on after... uh, the book? No, that's uh, a different... That's A Million Little Pieces, I think. Oh, A Million Little right Pieces. There. Whoops. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Um, and then after that... You owe me a million year. of little apologies. Oh, hey. Uh. <laughs> there it is, folks. Um, and then this year, she's in uh, the show Paradise City. So she's pretty much stuck with TV mm-hmm. for most of her career. She was on Sons of Anarchy for like 40 episodes. Yeah, Desperate Housewives. Joey, you know, the Friends Stop. spinoff we all remember. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I think like so, Ice-T, yeah. she blends in with Ferreira's energy very, very well. And was and yes. maybe not was only cast in, in this because of The Sopranos, but I think it certainly helped. That it... Yeah, I mean... Oh, definitely. You talked, about, Charlie, about how well uh demadio De- 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 hits the, the the swear words and like all the other awful words that she says in the movie so does ice t i mean when he says like yes. you know how stupid you are he really like hits those insult words mm-hmm. with like the right emphasis and everything just like really making the, the he's leaning into like, the really emphasis yeah 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 mm-hmm. knows where to put uh, it not related to this movie but kind of related like i guess well i can try and relate this i i think ferrara has a lot of films that depict misogyny and horrific acts of misogyny that men commit but even when the women are um are are victimized by that like i I think he is really good maybe this isn't fair of me to say but like i think he's great with uh female performers i mean Mm. i don't always think madonna's a great actress but like i just watched body of lies and then i followed that up with uh Dangerous game. Dangerous game. Body and of evidence she's... is what you meant. Did you say body of lies or body? Of Did I say body of lies? Yeah. I meant body of evidence. Right? I was I was like, questioning oh, that too. Like, for Meg Ryan. I was I was uh, going through like body of lies. Like no no no. But but sorry my bad. But but like and and Madonna is put through the ringer for dangerous game, and I know that there have mm-hmm. been controversial things about that. Yeah. She didn't like. Yeah. Have a great experience making that movie. And also like, like Kaitel, I money. think is more to blame from like reports than maybe for is on but yeah uh, but i also think uh, the reason i bring up body of lies is because that movie just tanked and then i think dangerous game came out recently and she like did not do press junkets or like kind of shat on the movie and i think she's fucking incredible in that movie and that movie requires a lot for her uh, out of her and also deals with being in very vulnerable situations where it is men i mean she let's not beat around the bush she's assaulted in one scene and us and a scene in which she's supposed to be assaulted making a movie and it is like really tough to take but i don't feel like ferrara is reveling in misogyny because he aligns with it i think he's trying to dissect it in terms of like just just the the toxicity that lurks within these men and how she as a woman is responding to it as an uh, a collaborating artist within that movie and i think that like 
like like the Mateo in this and Lily Taylor in the addiction, I do think he does bring out really interesting portraits of women that you don't see every day uh, and in ways that are tough to take, but not ever fully exploited. I'm with you because like Dangerous Game, uh, Harvey Keitel is basically playing Abel Ferreira. And it's interesting that yes. he's coming to this place of self-reconciliation. Um, they, that's pretty mature, and it's focusing on this turning point in, this, in that streak in the 90s. Um, you got me thinking about the addiction. One more thing. Uh, Sopranos Connection. Michael Imperioli and Edie Falco are also in the... And Edie Falco. Yeah, Edie yeah, Falco. Yeah, yeah. Pre-Sopranos, um, Edie Falco's in the addiction. But no, that's like his, the women of Abel Ferreira's movies are always like coming down to this point that he's focused on psychological horror and not so much like demons and ghosts, but like what does trauma do to your brain and how do I uh, visualize it? And the best way, unfortunately, is like rape, violence, uh, murder. Yeah, right. You know, like yeah. like driller killer and uh, like even parts of uh, dangerous, like you say, dangerous game. Um, like New, New Rose I, Hotel I mean, has some stuff like that, if I remember. I, but. Yeah, like, Bryden, you said you watched Miss 45 recently. I will admit, uh, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I saw it in, like, 2013. I think that was my first Ferrara, and I was kind of in that stage where I was kind of like, well, if do you really need to show rape all the time? And, like, I wasn't really engaging with anything else that movie was trying to say about trauma and the, compl- and the character's mindset, which, in a way, was taking away from the actress's work and what Ferraro was trying to say. I can understand that you find that movie to go too far. I mean, the main character is raped twice in that fucking movie. It's really tough to take, but I do think that was like after those scenes, for whatever reason I saw it at midnight and was like, fuck this. And just in a very juvenile way where I was just not even trying to get on that movie's wavelength. So I, it's definitely one I need to revisit again because it's stuck with me and I eventually have come down on the side of liking it a lot. But I'm curious as someone who just watched it, what you thought of it now. And Kevin, you said that's one that you enjoy as well. So, Yes, I listen to the the saxophone song at the end of it all the time. It's oh just, my gosh. I, I think sax I was, is going nuts. I was joking at Jack, like if I was at a party where they played that, I think I would leave because that's just like too much. <laughs> oh my god, I would stay. I was like, these are my people. Um, Charlie, did you say that you saw that movie at a midnight showing? That I seems saw like it the... at a midnight showing at like 2013 uh, with my friend Monica Castillo who, who liked it at the time and I was just like cranky and being like... Was that the know, Coolidge? No, it was at the Brattle Bro, in yeah. Harvard Square. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, woke film Twitter was starting to emerge and I think <laughs> I got too sucked into this mindset of or as we now call them woke saints oh hey yeah yeah (laughs) like the whole it wasn't exactly like i was saying depiction equals endorsement but i was just kind of like this is triggering and you shouldn't be filming this and that's not fucking fair like Mm -hmm. it it all depends on the context of what you're depicting even if it's so tough to watch well thankfully we don't deal with that anymore a uh depiction endorsement is completely no 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 it's it's out of here no red rocket no 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 uh yeah. And, um, and, and, and yeah. to be fair, let me just say it's very easy of me as a cis man who has not dealt with assaults to like stomach like it's much easier for me to stomach with this stuff, even if it is tough for me to take. But I do think that there was a part of me several years ago that was trying to be like lumping things into dichotomous categories that you can never do with a Ferrara film. And I was very close minded of 
how to approach that movie at the time and just like brushed it off if that makes any sense yeah so, yeah i hear you um yeah guys we we forgot that trey demato was in um swordfish we forgot that i've never Holy seen that movie it's not very good it, it's fun for like maybe i 10 can't minutes and i can't wait to watch this garbage dude i, I mean, can't wait in high school all the gross Kev, swordfish you know, that's gross, so you let's be real that's all like the, all the gross <laughs> jocks in my high school were like that's the one where halle berry gets naked and i secretly was like i'm gay so i'm not gonna see that uh, but. okay but the tagline is log on hack in go anywhere steal everything oh it's and a- then underneath the title it says <laughs> password accepted okay oh we knew what we were doing okay? i am i'm definitely intrigued to see swordfish based on what i've heard of it i just remember that being uh, unfortunately the movie that everyone in my generation was like oh Hilly Berry gets naked and uh, yeah, it's yeah I mean, that, that movie good. does a few a few other things. I mean, like, there's the scene where, like, a woman's, like, death at a bomb is, like, uses, like, a special effect shot where it's like, look how fucking cool this is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I die. It's like I, yeah. everything else I've heard about the movie since then. I'm like, oh, I fucking need to see this because this sounds unhinged. But isn't, isn't there a scene kind of like the social network scene where they're getting them yeah. drunk while they're hacking, except it's like, well, hey, this woman's going to blow you, Hugh Jackman. We need to know how you're going to be able to I hack was, if some things like this are happening. I was just that's about to bring up the social network i i mean we all love the social network here but one like one line that really sucks whenever you rewatch it let the hacking begin sorkin come on like like no i'm not one to pick nits but like oh my god really like let the hacking begin i think it's great but it's like in that context like oh my god um but maybe that guy would say it you know what that's true that is true yeah 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 do you think zuckerberg (laughs) is a a wizard of words do you think he pops open the thor the thesaurus every once in a while um does swordfish have any uh connections to fear.com as as uh bringing it back to our last episode I mean, they're both classics, but I mean, other than that, I don't They've think they've both been inducted charm. into the AFI Top 100, and like you know, it's... I don't, I don't know if Stephen Dorff has incredible facial hair like John Travolta does in this movie, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Speaking from ignorance, I haven't seen these two movies. I know, I know, I know like the tells me I need National to, Library but... of Congress just like opened up the vault for more movies, and they just went in as well. It put yeah. Swordfish, yeah, Fear dot com. Um, <laughs> Yep. Megan is Any missing. Other, like, I don't know. Like what? <laughs> Holy shit! I would tweet about that nonstop for three days if that happened. Like, good Christ Almighty! I was just—I I know that was like a bad example, but I was just trying to think of something that would be outrageous. If, um, but that—that yeah. that takes the cake. Yeah. yeah. Have I seen the movie? Of course, I've seen the movie. Um, uh, Brighton, what are your uh, opinions on Megan is missing? <laughs> I, I Wouldn't that be crazy it, if someone picked it for my pod? Like that'd be that, like, what would I do? Oh is, it, is it like just on the cusp of like the? It's 20, twenty. Is it twenty twenty eleven? Is it? Uh, oh, just yeah. in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You've gone this far. It's just like oh, we don't oh, really cover uh, that tenth, the tenth anniversary. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, yeah. I, I also looked that movie up. I think like the the cinematographer or like the director is like a cinematographer, Michael Goy. He was like the head of the National Board of Cinematography or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I looked up his credits. He shot like yeah, he shoots like he shot like Words on Bathroom Walls, which is like a teen romance movie that I watched That's last interesting. year. And like yeah, mm-hmm. I mean a lot of horror stuff, but like yeah. Anyways, yeah, like, why are we, well, sorry we're talking about <laughs> Megan is missing. I do, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was interesting just uh, talking about like the roles of women in horror movies. One, I don't know if this is like a 
don't know if I want, I'm a kind of... It did make me laugh, but like about the, the, one of the gifts that the kid gets on Christmas morning is a wash and iron toy, which I thought was just like kind of funny. Just like the idea of like planting these like sort of subservient like women domestic roles about like in child in children from like a very young age with like these rules with these toys and everything. She's like, "Oh, cool, wash and iron," and it's like, "Oh my gosh, that's yeah. the saddest detail ever." Yeah, that's kind of like goes along with Ferrer's peculiar sense of humor. Um, like Brian, you re- you recommended me like Ferrer best of compilation for the commentaries. Of Driller Killer yes. in K, New York, and it's like, oh, gross. Oh, what was? That? Yeah, there, there's a commentary apparently for uh, our Xmas on the DVD. I, we didn't watch this on DVDs, I don't think, but like maybe the DVD would be worth having. But apparently, according to DVD talk, uh, sometimes a new scene will start, and he'll ask, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, he'll just like <laughs> this stuff off uh, during the commentary, which is uh, very funny. Yeah, like like the the King of New York one starts with him being like, "I got paid five thousand dollars to be here, and I'm here, Jack." <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, I am also gonna have to get up real quick because I have to pee real bad, and my roommate's in the bathroom. So, <laughs> um, while you were gone, we were talking about the uh, cine- cinematic tour de force that is uh, Megan is missing. So. Damn. Uh, you missed a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. We can get off it. It's fine. But, um, She's going to stay missing. Um, uh, <laughs> um, do we have any anything else or we want to do closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, closing thoughts, I think that, you know, if you're, if especially if you're a Ferrara fan and uh, you're looking for something a little off color to watch this Christmas season, <laughs> comes out within a few days uh-huh. before Christmas. Uh, and even, you know what, fuck it, even if it's, like, fucking January, I still think it's an interesting piece of work, and I think it, it definitely plays a part in building up to, you know, in, in seeing how Ferrara's career, you know, progresses. I, I um, did piggyback off point. of, like, um, what you're talking about, I mean, you know, I, I think you were less serious about seeing it in January, but it's, like, this is kind of, like, a wintry northeast kind of, northeast kind of feel to it, like, everyone's bundled up with, like, layers, and, um, you can tell there's like a frigid chill in the air i don't know oh but. i've been to new york during christmas season it's fucking freezing yeah yeah exactly so but they shot it in the summer ferrara said oh, they shot it in the summer really? how they were oh, just like blazing hot the whole time like that's, that's what he crazy. said i went to new york this past summer and i've never been more fucking fried in my entire life mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> which i know that it's 2021 and this was you know so 20 years past and global warming has certainly taken uh, a huge hit on everything from then but i can't imagine mm-hmm. filming this in the fucking summer maybe it helped make them like more anxious and tense in terms of like sweaty and like clammy and stuff like that but that's yeah, yeah that's wild like massachusetts and new york are identical weather so i get it <laughs> i mean we get it you know yeah <laughs> so, uh jack closing thoughts really uh you know happy i had to be here for two movies from auteurs that i really really enjoy um and to check out Yay. their lesser works uh, that's just like, well, wait, no, I, I know they're famous stuff, but it's like, what are these? And, um, yeah, I'm kind of like Alex Ross Perry. I'm playing check. <laughs> um, but that's, but, that's why we love having people like you on here to talk about, like, I mean, we knew starting this podcast that it, we would be talking about like lesser works that mm-hmm. kind of fall through the cracks, which is what I think. Especially from famous directors like these that, are just, yeah, that have I mean, been making movies for decades. I mean, apart uh, from Darren Aronofsky, who started off with Artisan, I think that's kind of what we've been doing now i mean i guess ghost dog would be considered pretty vital jarmusch but yeah like, I, I, i'd say so what did um aronofsky start out with the, uh pie, pie? Requiem for pie, pie yeah yeah Artisan. gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. 
How, um, how is uh, House but, of the Dead as far as... Uh, um, where does that sit? Sure. I mean, is that an underseen yeah. Uwe Ball? Does that it's, get the respect it deserves? It's a definitive text. <laughs> yes, okay, okay. yes, Bryden. Must agreed. watch. No, but I, you know, our, I think RxMas is still a... I would, I would say, like, if someone's a fan of Ferreira, I would say still check it out. Um, it's, it's in line with what he's interested in. And I think that's enough for a sell um, to continue to something else that may not be high tier of their work, but it still is some of their work. And it's not, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, um, abduction from John Singleton. It's not erasing everything that that filmmaker has, right. has worked up to or something. Yeah, to me, um, I I really like this. I mean, if you're, you guys are saying this is like lesser Ferrara and everything, uh, um, if this is like one of his minor works, uh, this is like makes me very happy, excited to see where the rest of his filmography takes me because I'm very because mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I think I have like all his movies watch listed That's right good. now. I mean, yeah. not the not the porno feature that he made at the start <laughs> of his career, which is streaming uh, mm-hmm. on movie. Uh, very funny. Um, but yeah, um, I really it's 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 a pleasure when you're watching a movie that like you think you know what you're gonna get with like this simple logline. It like you think it's gonna be like a fast paced genre movie, and then you get something that's much more kind of uh, funeral. Yeah, it's really stripped down like, and like it's pretty personal. Yeah, and yeah, and really like lingers on the mundane, but like sort of tender emotional details of like this uh, otherwise sort of like sordid uh, milieu. And uh, I really liked it a lot, and I'm. Very glad that I got to watch it and talk about it with everyone. And also, it's like, from what I remember, it's erased music and like a soundtrack, uh, and that's uh, and I think that's that's like slightly off from any of his other movies that I can remember. It's it's Schooly D that's credited with a lot of the songs. Um, who did like the song? Oh for right, we, we already and, uh, talked about this. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then U.S. Currency is the band that does the Silent Night hard rock cover over the end credits. Um, yeah. Uh, at least on the version I watched. I don't know. I mean, I rented this off iTunes because mm-hmm. that's like the one place you can get it legally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's really good. And I, I don't know. I, yeah, definitely. If you're looking for something a little more off the beaten path for, for Christmas viewing, uh, I would highly recommend this. And it's very short, too. It's only like 80, 85 minutes long. And it, it, it really, I mean, it's not a fast paced movie, but like it really does like it passes the time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening.